Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm fellowshipping, longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm glad that you're here, too. Most importantly, the Lord's here to speak through us and share his words of wisdom so that they won't be words from Bill or Steve, but they'll be God in his thoughts. Yeah, there's not much value in my words. No, not compared to God's words, that's for sure. We're in week two of our lead up to Easter. Yes, correct. Week one, we may have lost a lot of followers of the Guardians of Grace, those who were counting on a mansion in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was me. That was me for many a year. I always thought he was going to prepare a mansion for me when the passage is just not talking about that at all. It's talking about this glorious, glorious truth that is too cool to... That was totally it for me. I was failing miserably, miserably under the law, and life was tough. But I said, at least I got a mansion coming in the sky. We didn't mean to burst bubbles, but that let not your heart be troubled has nothing to do with it's bad down here, but one day you get a mansion in the sky. And we've discovered that that word is not mansion, not anything to do with a mansion, not anything similar to a mansion. It's actually abode. It's the noun for the verb abide. Abide. When Jesus said, abide in me and let me abide in you, which is just much fruit. They're they're abiding places, places for him to to abide. To him, they're, they're the noun places for him to do the verb abide. And they're one chapter apart. And they're one chapter apart. So I think they're related. Yes, yes. He said, I go to prepare many nouns for you to verb in, but many nouns, abodes. And it's important not to think of them as mansions, but places where the Holy Spirit will dwell which turns out to be us. We are the places that he's preparing for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. Big difference. And it teaches us a glorious truth. And it just begins to unveil what this new covenant is about. He's going to prepare us to be vessels that he abides in because 
in the new covenant, that's what he does. He lives in us and he serves the people around us with his power. That's why we can call ourselves servants of God. We are servants of God, but we are servants of God to the people around us. We're not serving God T. Remember, God said he's never been serviced by hands. Not by houses made by hands. To, right. Which was one of our words last week. And just to review, we, we had that word in my father's house. That was one word. It was the oiko. And what word did we get out of that? Economy. Economy. In my father's economy, there are many dwelling places. In his kingdom, the economy of the kingdom, there are many dwelling places. And those dwelling places are none other than you and me and all the people that are called Christians. We make up the kingdom of God. We make up the dwelling places in which God dwells and causes his kingdom to be active because it's him working through us. It's his activity that energizes us, the people that he abodes in. Which was our second word, abode. Abode. In my father's house are many abodes. Yes. Not mansions. Nope. People. 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 And the third word was, I go to prepare a place for you. And that word was the word tidamai. And it's better defined as make ready. In fact, the the first definition, I think, of tidamai is to, to make ready. Make ready. I go to make you ready. To make us ready. For him to abide in us and bear much fruit. Yes. He gives us the capacity for him to abide in us. That's where the don't let your heart be troubled fits. Because if you think it's you in your own capacity and your own bearing fruit by keeping the law or human effort ability to bear fruit is going to get you a mansion someday then you should have a troubled heart because that's not going to happen Mm -mm. so he's saying he's really saying to Peter Peter you said you would die for me you're not going to die for me in fact you're going to deny me three times but I've already forgiven you I know you don't have the capacity, Peter. Isn't that what he's saying? Yes. I know you don't have the capacity, Peter, so don't let your heart be troubled because this amazing event is going to happen on Pentecost. And guess what? You will have, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have the capacity. And I believe it was Peter that led the sermon that day, wasn't it? On the day of Pentecost. Yes. He spoke to the people who had gathered together because of the mighty rushing wind. The mighty rushing wind landed on the people and they became an abode. And they were given a place or they were given capacity. And they were able to 
those people that received the Spirit that day were able to, by abiding in this anointing, were able to, what, bear fruit that day. Yes. Unless we realize that in the upper room discord, Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to prepare them to be vessels that he would abide in, we can't learn about what it means not to abide in our own human strength, but to abide in his power, not to rely on our own human strength, but rely on his power, not to get things done in our own human strength or live the Christian life in our own human strength, but to live the Christian life and get things done and be a doer in the power of Jesus, because apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's what he's after telling us that he was going to make us the places that he would dwell and manifest himself through. He said to Peter and the rest of them, I am the vine and you are the branches. I want you to abide in me and not your human strength and I will abide in you and I will manifest through you and you will bear much fruit because the fruit of the Spirit has the Spirit as the source. And he, Jesus in us, is the source of the fruit that comes through us as the branches or the abodes that he bears fruit through. Abodes that he abides. He abides in. He abides in the abodes. Abides in the abodes. Yes. Yes. And I think we're going to have to maybe do one more Greek redneck, redneck Greek word study. Okay. On a word found in verse chapter 14 of John before we get to chapter 15. And it's the word Correct me if I'm pronounced. Is it horeo? Yeah. I don't know why yeah. I want to say horeo. Right. You always want to put a T on the beginning, but it's actually horeo. Horeo. And that word is, do you remember? You don't remember the Strong's number? No. 30. I think it was 30, 3908. 37. 3708. 3708. Is the word horeo. And it means, let, let's read it in in the chapter 14. Okay. Didn't it start about verse 7? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Give me After a, he says, abide in me. And, no, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go chapter ahead. 14. Yeah, chapter 14. You have to give me a second to find it. Yeah. I'm actually there. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Thomas is asking the Lord, he's saying, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus, does Jesus not give him one of his whacked out answers? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. As usual. But this is Jesus speaking clearly and plainly. He's not using parables here. These are the words of somebody speaking plainly. 
And this is what he says. He says, I am the way. How can you say, show, show, show us the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You known him and have seen him. And then Philip says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you for so long and you haven't come to know me yet, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own will, but of the Father abiding in me, doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe on the count of the works themselves. Believe on the account of the works themselves. Let's break this down. He, he says, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he says, believe that statement because of the works that I do. When you see, and he's laying down the foundation for you and I as Christians in the 20th century, when... He's saying, if you've seen me doing good works, then you've seen the Father doing the good works through me. And it's the same with us in the 20th century. If I see Bill doing good works and living the righteous Christian life during the course of a day for an hour at a time, I have seen the Father in Bill doing those good works and living the righteous Christian life. He's saying, Philip's, Philip, believe in me on the account of the works that you've seen God in me because now he wants us as Christians to believe when we've seen our wife do good works, that it was the Father or Jesus in our wife or our spouse doing those good works. This is what Paul meant when he said, I teach a way of life in Christ Jesus everywhere in every church. He goes around teaching that Christ manifests himself through us people or the people that are his vessels, the ones that he has purified and made good, clean vessels out of. He does his works through them. And when we see God speaking words of kindness or words of wisdom through our spouse, let's say, I'll keep using that analogy, through our spouse 
then we've seen God. It's like Laylee used to say to me when I would apologize to her when I've, I said the wrong things, I'd say, Laylee, I'm sorry that I didn't say that right. I'm sorry that I let you down with my words. And she'd say, it's okay. They were just your words. And it took me a couple of years to catch on that she was saying they weren't God's words through you. They were just your human words trying to please me and falling short. Our human words fall short, but there's a sense in which we can see God when we see the activity of God. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. We can see the kingdom of God and the activity of God in that kingdom when we see the activity of God through the people that are around us in church, the church being the kingdom and we being the vessels of God in that kingdom and God being active in us, we can see that activity and know that we have just seen God. See, that is a big part of the Christian life. Big part of the Christian life. Let me say it again. That is a big part of the Christian life. Being able to see the act activity of God and being able to know when the activity of God is coming through you as a vessel. Remember, Jesus said when the disciples asked him about who was going to praise him, Jesus said, if these people didn't praise me, God would use the rocks to praise me. God can use anything he wants, but we have the privilege of God using us as his instruments and we can feel God working through us. That's why in John 17, he said, this is eternal life to experience God. We can experience God and that's a big part of living in the new covenant is to realize when we are experiencing God. That's the cool part of the new covenant that we can feel when we're experiencing God and we can come to know when that is happening and when it is happening in our neighbor. And we can literally, like Jesus said, hey, Philip, you've seen me doing these good works, then you've seen God through me doing these. You've seen Jesus manifesting himself through me. Wasn't that cool? It was literally Jesus that you saw. And you can say, yes, I did see him. I, I, I'm beginning to realize what the Christian life is about. It's about me being able to see God here on this planet called Earth. I can see him moving and his activity, that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you see the wind and you hear the sound of the wind and see what it does, but you don't actually see the wind. So it is with everyone who is born from above. You can see 
the activity of God, even though you don't see him physically, we live by faith, not by sight. And we live by faith that those good deeds are being done by God through us. And it's a big part of what it means to live the Christian life. Do you get it? It's what the Christian life is about. Seeing and feeling God and fellowshipping with God inside of people. Do you realize that's where all those verses come and draw their meaning when in 1 Corinthians it says, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, or in 1 John he could say, we have fellowship with you, and indeed our fellowship is with God and his Son, meaning God and his Son through a person. There's plenty of verses that talk about how we can fellowship with God through people, but it's predicated on understanding that God manifests himself and that we can see God. That's why when God made the prophecy in Jeremiah, he said, I will put my spirit in them and from the least to the greatest, they will know me because they all will see me. What's the Greek word there? That, that word is edo. They shall see, perceive, they shall see with the eyes. Perceive. Perceive. And our, our word in John 14.7 is a different word. And that's the word Philip just said, show us the Father. And he said, have I been with you so long? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you horeoed me. That's the horeo word. If the horeo word. Me, you've horeoed the Father. You've seen it with your eyes, but something else. You've perceived it in your mind to be that you're seeing God. You're seeing the invisible God. How Say can you that again. Okay. When you horeo, you're, you're seeing an activity with your eyes. You're witnessing it. You're Edo, seeing it. But you're also perceiving with the mind. That's the difference between just seeing as like everyone sees it. It's right in front of us. It's the same word actually in uh, Acts. They saw a mighty rushing wind or they perceived a mighty rushing wind it, it's in a lot of places but to, to get back to the definition of the word horeo is to see it with the eyes but perceive in the mind what you're actually seeing well said other people saw Jesus do the activities and the Pharisees said you're doing it they perceived he was doing it by the power of Beelzebub at one time they did. That was the blasphemy of the Spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said, you're looking at things according to the flesh. Make a righteous judgment. So, yes, yeah, so the word, very important word, the corner concept, the cornerstone concept of the new covenant is no longer shall a man teach his neighbor to know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest they and that's the gnosko and edo 
they all shall see me. From the least to the greatest, they'll literally be able to see God working through people once they've been turned on to the idea. And once they've been turned on to the idea, they go further than ego, seeing they actually start horeo, perceiving that this is the activity of God I'm seeing with my eyes. It's the Lele doctrine. It is. <laughs> in action. It's very Lelean. It is a Lelean principle right yes. there. Yes. And that's why it says we look at things that are unseen. Yeah. Or the things that are seen are... Temporal. Seasonal. Seasonal. But the things that are unseen are... The I am. Eternal. 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 We can literally see eternal things because we can see the activity that they do. We can see that, although we don't know where the wind comes from, we can see the activity of the wind just as we can see the activity of the invisible God and know that we've seen God at that moment. Know that at that very moment in the middle of the day, we are actually fellowshipping with the God of the universe, the creator of everything, has actually manifest himself to fellowship with us. How cool is this new covenant? How cool is it? For example, when I see guard dog Steve being kind and compassionate to someone, I'm horeo. I'm perceiving that I think Steve is under the influence of the spirit at this moment because he's being kind and not grouchy and grumpy. And I'm just kidding, of course, but I'm demonstrating that this is how it works. I'm perceiving the when spirit. When you're saying I'm being kind, you mean I, I, I don't show kindness? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're just kidding. Steve doesn't really show kindness. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead and say what you were saying. Being as we'll have to clean up the studio after all the things you threw. <laughs> yeah. And your temper tantrum. Yeah. No, I. Steve does not like anyone to see the activity of Steve. He loves it when we see the activity of the spirit. And he always gives full credit to the spirit. The, the, the activity of Steve can be ugly. It gets ugly when you see Steve. I, I will. It gets confess. ugly in all of us. Yes. There's nothing meaner than a legalistic Christian mm -hmm. on the planet. Mm -hmm. That's why it says the acts of the flesh are obvious quarreling, bitterness, envy, strife, brawling. All those things come from and are the activity of the human nature and you can see it and you can know when you're fellowshipping with Steve or Bill i.e. fellowshipping with the human nature the edemic nature you're fellowshipping with Adam himself but when you see the activity of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control you can horeo you can perceive with your mind that I'm seeing the activity of the Spirit. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's why John 15, which I think what the Bible study was supposed 
The podcast was supposed to be on John 15. We haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah. Because we've been flipping out over Horeo. Yes. But see, after Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, meaning if you've seen a human being showing the exemplary Christian life, then you've seen God through that human being showing that. After he has taught us about seeing God that way, in chapter 15, he says, So abide in me and let me abide in you, because I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. You Don't use your effort to bear fruit, but use my strength and my capabilities to bear fruit and you'll bear much fruit. Something that gets lost or not really looked at closely in John 15 is, I am the vine. We all say that. We remember that. That's Jesus talking. You are the branches. But it says my father is the vine dresser, and he's the one that makes things happen. When something's not bearing fruit, he lifts it up makes sure it gets the light and starts bearing much fruit so even placing yourself in the right place to bear fruit you didn't do that either you didn't by running to the front of the church and sitting in the front row and taking notes you did not place yourself in a position to bear much fruit you just put yourself in front so you can take good notes Yes, a physical position doesn't position you to bear good fruit. And make yourself the pastor's pet. By It's only God who positions you to bear good fruit. Yeah. When he sees someone not bearing fruit, it's not a, a rebuke. That, that word sometimes gets thought of as a rebuke, but it's actually he lifts them up. He lifts the branches of the vine up so that it can bear good fruit. Make good wine. Make good wine. That's what grapes were primarily used for. To yes. make. And that's our comparison. In, is it Ephesians 5? Be not drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit when you're filled with rage you're controlled by rage when you're filled with the spirit you are being controlled by the spirit and that's when you bear much fruit you see it's all saying the same thing no matter what word picture we use it's trying to tell you this new covenant way of life where he puts his spirit in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves and we're supposed to trust and depend on the spirit to do for us what we can't do for ourselves that's what the idea of waiting on the Lord is remember those who wait on the Lord will literally exchange their strength exchange human strength for spiritual strength. That's what we've been talking about all along because that's what the whole new covenant talks about. 
the idea of exchanging human strength for spiritual strength. The idea of depending not on human strength, but depending on the strength that comes through the Spirit of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's a Hebrew word that means the same thing as abiding. Because it's, uh, I don't remember the, the Hebrew word in Isaiah 40, but those who wait on the Lord it, intertwine intertwine twine together like a vine and a, and a branch yes uh, you don't even know where the vine starts or the vine ends and the branch starts but we're the branches and we're so entwined that we're like one one with the vine and once we're one with the vine we're producing much fruit yes we're exchanging our strength we're renewing our strength. And we are either one with the vine or we are one with Adam. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. Doesn't it say wine makes the heart glad or joyful? Yes. And so to speak. So the, the Spirit makes us glad. The Spirit makes us joyful. The Spirit makes us loving, joyous, patient. All those things are fruit of the Spirit, and they come from abiding, intertwining with the vine. And just so we're not tempted to use our own strength, what can we do apart from him? Nothing. Nada. Zip. Nilch. Which means a little bit. No. means nothing. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. (laughs) But you can at least try. That means no thing. No thing you can do. So just abiding is really surrendering. It's giving up, basically. It's saying, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. Do you really believe that? If you still think you can do something apart from him... Have at it. Have at it. Yes. And that was the purpose of the law. That was the purpose of the law, to let you have at it. What did the law produce in Israel? Nothing. Bad fruit. He dug a pit and buried the fruit in the hedge and did all that work to it, and it bore no fruit. Isaiah chapter 5 is parallel to John 15. Isaiah chapter 5 says... Israel was a vine and the father was the vine dresser and he planted the vine and he did everything for it put it in good soil and did everything for it and then he waited for the vine to produce he waited for the branches to produce its own fruit by their effort, commitment accountability yeah their list of unshakable, unbreakables. Yes. And I'm thinking of the word he used to describe the fruit. And the word I remember in the Hebrew meant worthless. He got nothing. Sour grapes. Bad wine. Do you see the comparison? The, the see all the word illustrations of the same idea. Isaiah's telling you. Yeah, so Isaiah 5 is a vine and branches and fruit apart from God. 
in your own human effort. There, there was nothing about abiding. It was, here's the law, you do it, you keep it, and bear fruit and bring me the fruit. Mm-hmm. And that produced worthless, sour grapes, good for nothing. Like God said, all your righteousness is as a filthy rag. That's our righteousness. Our, right, the, our, our best, best efforts. All our best efforts are like a filthy rag. That's why he came in and made us a new covenant, because he found fault. Like it says, and the covenant was weakened as it was by the flesh, he created a new covenant, because the flesh had weakened it, because the flesh can't do what it takes. I always, I know it says all our righteousness is is filthy rags, but you know how it filtered through my mind? All my sin is as filthy rags. All my bad days are as filthy rags. Not all my goodness. I never saw it really that way. Even though it says it that way, it's just one of those things, no matter how you say it and it's spelled out in front of you, if you're predisposed to not Horeo, see it, that's how you'll see it. Because I was so into my own human performance, I was so into not abiding in the vine, although I knew the verse and I and I thought I was, but I thought abiding in the vine meant get the latest book on how to get an accountability partner, what were some of the other things? Get back in church. Get back in church, don't miss church. Rededicate, recommit. Gosh, I did them all. Oh, yeah. I recommitted. I rededicated. Mm-hmm. Elementary principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortcuts to success. Whatever it was, I tried to, pretty much all of it. And bought a lot of books doing it. I, I spent some good money. I uh, made the Zonderman book up quite wealthy. Yes. Exactly. In the 80s. Exactly. And none of it worked. And I didn't see it not working, but I knew it wasn't working. But I was too ashamed to tell anyone it's not working because I would hear their success stories and I didn't know they were lying. To they me. were too ashamed to say it's not working either. <laughs> they were just saying that. Yeah. Oh, read this book. Yeah. Read this book. Changed my life. And I don't want to embarrass any authors because if I say the books, you'll know some of them. We've all read them. There have been seminars, countless seminars. But I don't want to do that. It's not what we're about. Mm-mm. But I will speak for myself. They don't work. The only thing that works is abiding in the vine, and he abides in me, and you bear much fruit. And apart from him, you can do nothing. Those are two truths that I've grown to realize they're just irrefutable. Yeah, they're simple. Abide and you bear fruit, don't abide, you you can do nothing. It's not hard to remember the concept simple, remain in the vine, depend on Christ, live by the Spirit. All means the same thing. Really, everything we've taught since podcast one is pretty much the same thing. Abide in the vine. John 15, it abide in the vine, abide in the and I will abide in you is really the Christian life, the successful Christian life. In a nutshell. 
in a nutshell. We didn't get too far, did we? <laughs> I think the spirit said what it needed to, though. I really do. It seemed like time flew by. Hey, if you like this this series we're doing on, on Easter and what about John 13, 14? We, we call it the upper room discourse because we like to use big words. Yeah. If you like this series, share the podcast with with your friends. Yes. Also, go to Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Yes. You write your comments on our webpage. It's what, guardinggrace.com? Go to guardinggrace.com, and then it'll give you a link to our Facebook page. And put your comments on there. Yes. Put your disagreements on there, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you can just look for Guardians of Grace on Facebook. You'll find us. And go to, when you go to our webpage, check out our podcast library. I think there's a a hundred and... couple hundred... Yeah, different podcasts. Podcasts. I think we've run out of time to continue further into John 15, but there's a lot more that could be said and will be said. Yes, we will do a couple more podcasts on it. It'll become a series, and we hope you'll enjoy it and learn a lot from it, and we hope that you'll also share it with everybody around you. If you like what we are saying or what God is saying and believe that that's what the Bible is saying and believe that it's good news and it's relevant news, share it with the people around you. Get get the word out because all we can do is is just podcast it. We're just two people. We can't get the word to very many people. It has to be shared exponentially, and we're that's what we're counting on everybody out there who's listening to the podcast to do. Make it a point to share the podcast with other people. And remember, you're saying listen to this message, not not listen to Bill and Steve. We're just mouthpieces. Yeah, we're we're two characters with broken brains. We we but, have no business even being up here if it's not for the power of God. We're uh, an embarrassment to ourselves. We're here because we abide. Amen. Amen. And. And when we're not abiding, we're rambling idiots. <laughs> yes, yes. So let us also say that we love you and we hope that you keep coming back and we'll just say a little prayer for you. Father God, please, in your son's name, allow us to understand these new covenant concepts and to abide in them, which means to depend on this new way of life, not in the old way where we grit our teeth and try and obey because there's just no other way, Father. Show us this new way because it is a new and living way. And we ask this in your son's name. And we, we say good night to everybody. We love you guys. Good night, you guys. We love you.